0: This is Moneyline. This is Moneyline. This is Moneyline, this is Moneyline. Touchdown!
1: This is Moneyline on ESPN 975 and on espn975.com. Yeah we made it. You just, just talking. If they hate it, yeah, you it. You know they're watching. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show presented by Klein's jewelry and my book Klein's jewelry and my book live from the renterswarehouse.com studios here's Jerry bow and Josh Jordan Vice camera action hello world
2: welcome into money line Houston's newest fantasy football and gambling show yours truly Jerry bow sitting next to my partner in grind. What's up, Josh? What's going on, Jerry? Nothing much. Excited to uh, get back in here and give the people what they want. Some more information, some more uh, ana- analysis over
3: how to draft in the upcoming weeks, and some winners, if we can uh, at least do that for them. Right, Josh? <laughs> That's the plan. They're not going to be listening, right? So they're going to grade us, let us know how we do.
0: Sure. How, uh, how are you doing behind the glass, Cam? Uh, You know I'm good, just trying to get my headphones to work. (laughs) That's important. (laughs) Just normal
2: things. All right, well, for those who uh, didn't tune in last week, we want to kind of give you a gist of what the show's about. It's going to be really, really uh, numbers-driven, fantasy football numbers, gambling trends, everything you need to know on a Sunday morning leading you up to kickoff. Let's be uh, serious here. And what's, What's a typical Sunday morning for you like, Josh?
3: Man, I get up pretty early, actually, and I just kind of start going through all the reports, looking at uh, last-minute rankings, um, check the weather. That's always a big thing for me, especially you know if you're dealing with a kicker or something like that, and he's outside and the weather's bad. Um, just little things like that. I like to be prepared. You know, I don't like to be running to my computer at 1158 terrified. Uh, I like to kind of sit down and I'm in like a million leagues, right? So it (laughs) takes a while. It takes a while to go through all the leagues and get everything set and ready to go. Uh, I'm also looking a week ahead, right? So I'm trying to beat the waiver wire. So if I think there's a guy that maybe I think will be good next week or for further later in the season maybe i want to pick him up this week because i may not be able to get him after he has a good game you know that day so that's that's something i'm kind of looking at
2: yeah and definitely as far as on my side as the gambling i look at things like where the money's getting pounded on uh where the public is driving the number and sometimes whenever you can depict where the public action is it usually drives you to winners you don't want to be where uh, where the public is driving the number you want to be on the side of the book so that's also something i look forward to like you said though the the weather um any any late news you know when the once those inactives comes out that could uh that could potentially change your whole lineup
3: uh, no doubt about that. you, you got to wait for the, the inactives to come down. It, it not only tells you who maybe you should start, or but who's going to fill that role if that other player's out. Maybe that's somebody you want to use. Maybe it's somebody you want to pick up and just put on your bench so your opponent can't start them against you. Uh, so there's a lot of things to to keep in mind there.
2: Yeah, Josh, and just uh, to let the people know, every week we will be having you know our, our fantasy plays of the week, our daily fantasy plays of the week my uh max bets my bookie busters as they call it things to that uh to that nature but uh we also have a segment that we're going to be calling pros versus Joe, sort of a gal media all-star team. Tell them more about it, Josh.
3: Right. Uh, especially once the season gets kicked off. We did it last week, but it's really going to get going when the season starts, when we have games. And that's what we're going to be picking is those games. So we're going to have Fred Fowler on every week. We're going to have Lance Serline. Eric Sandler is going to be putting his picks in. I don't know if he'll actually be on the air with us, but he's going to participate. He's the food editor of culture map. Uh, he is the guy to talk to. If you've got a special event where you need a restaurant or somewhere to go, uh, he can get you in the right place, that's for sure. And then we're also going to have Holly Seymour on every week. I think everybody knows XO Holly. She's been on a lot of the shows on ESPN 97.5. and she's going to call in, I believe, today also to, you know, look at some uh, some future bets, uh, something based off of your article on Culture Map. And that's the other thing to keep in mind. Jerry and I both write for, uh, for Sports Map, excuse me. And uh, that's where all the gambling content's going to be. That's where the fantasy football content's going to be. Lance Zerline wrote a fantasy article for, uh, for Sports Map just this week. And we're going to take a look at that a little later in the show and, and see what Jerry thinks about some of his picks.
2: Yeah. And we're very, very excited for that segment to uh, kind of hear what the. Like we say, pros, Lance, Fred, a lot of people trust their knowledge and what they a lot of people want to know what they have to say. And every week you'll get that on this show, as well as just what we call as Joe's. And that's everybody else. Also, we do have some fantasy football listener leagues. We announced them last week. We had a few callers, about five. And then uh, we've been posting on our social media on the Twitter page as far as ways to get in. It currently we have, I think, about 17 players. And uh, we're trying to get three leagues, so we'll play it by ear. But as of right now, we have about seventeen players, 15, somewhere around there. So during the show, we will be giving out the number. We will be taking new participants. So get ready. The number seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We'll be taking new entries to the uh, fantasy F- listener league.
3: That's right. And you can also follow us at Moneyline97.5. That's another way where you can get in the league, too. If you get a hold of us, uh, we might be able to get you in that way as well. So definitely check us out on Twitter.
2: And then last but not least, I, uh, if, if you're familiar with my work, I do a thing called Bookie Busters. I usually give out these max bets. We've been extremely, extremely hot during the last three days. Just to put in perspective, a $100 unit better is up about four grand in about three days. Um, we're wow. very very hot, yeah. People talk about a fifty two point four number to be even. Those max bets are hitting at about eighty eight ninety percent right now. Um, wow, it's ridiculous! It's ridiculous. We're literally we've lost maybe two out of fifteen plays. Um, stay tuned during this show for callers only. I will be giving out my favorite play of the week, and that will be on a match that kicks off today. So if you want the max play give us a call. We want to hear from you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about anything particular. Call us. Let us, you have any questions about your upcoming drafts? We want to, we want to answer them. You want to talk futures? We want to talk about it. Or if you just want to say, hey, you enjoy the show and the idea, call us. We would love to hear from you.
3: That's for sure, man. So uh, we had a lot of games this week. Um, You're supposed to get a better look at the preseason in theory when you get to the second and third preseason games, but that's not exactly the case I'm finding this year. I feel like the joint practices are where coaches like to get most of their work done. And I was hoping to really get something out of watching a lot of these preseason games. And it's, it's not, it's not making it easy for us, Jerry. I'll tell you that. I mean, I just look at this Raiders-Rams game from this week, and they're actually playing very early in the season. The Raiders are playing the Rams. So Gruden, he was actually vocal and kind of upset about the way the schedule was done. So what did he do for this preseason game? Uh, he didn't play any of his guys. <laughs> I mean He didn't play Derek Carr. He didn't play Amari Cooper. Um, a lot of these guys, Jordy Nelson, Marshawn Lynch, Jared Cook, Doug Baldwin, Martavis Bryant, all guys we want to see. We want to see in this new Gruden offense, see what it looks like. And we got absolutely nothing. And of course, the Rams did the exact same thing. Jared Goff didn't play. Todd Gurley didn't play. Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. So that that game was basically a nothing for us, I think, from a fantasy perspective.
2: Yeah, in the last few off seasons, we've noticed that uh, people have been talking about shortening the length of the preseason because at this point, what are, what are we getting? I mean, as a season ticket holder, you get these tickets as an add-on. And what do you do? You pretty much give them away yeah is it worth going to these games to see people that might not even make the roster I mean it's football and that's why I guess people are just glad to see it and to attend it but from an overall view uh, of us finding out things for fantasy purposes what is it doing for us if we don't get to see what we need
3: you know I, I agree I mean maybe we can take away a couple things you know from the Texans game I know Watson was only in there for that one drive, and you know they got the touchdown that 's great and everything. but I, I was starting to get a little excited about Lamar Miller after last week you know he popped a couple nice runs, and then this week it it looked like last year again it, it didn 't look like they could really run the football very well at all, so uh, the offensive line still concerning me a little bit I, I think the the sheer volume that Miller should get because you know foreman 's out, and i don 't think alfred blue 's going to be on the field a ton. The sheer volume should make Lamar Miller decent just because I think the offense it will be pretty good, you know, if Deshaun's healthy. Um, but if he doesn't get a lot of that work, I'm a little scared. I'm a, I'm afraid he'll be very touchdown dependent. I, I don't see a lot of yards coming out of him this year. Yeah, and he's typically a player that doesn't
2: carry that high yards per carry average. It's real mediocre. It's it's average. The plus side of it is if if Watson's in, the Texans will be scoring, and he'll get his. So I don't really know if he will end up ultimately dominating the backfield with the questions that we have with a couple other players coming back. And this is, to me, a make-it-or-break-it year for Lamar Miller. If, if he can go back to what they had in, let's say, Miami-type Miller, then we're on to something. But if he keeps throwing up these mediocre numbers we saw Alfred Blue dominate the touches towards the end of last year and I guess at this point the the Texans need to see what they have if he's going to be the guy going forward then this is the year to find out
3: I think so and especially early in the year right when Foreman's out I mean who else do they really have I I don't know if Pope's going to be a guy that they they really start using or not Um, it's kind of tricky you know you want to you want to get in on good offenses but you also don't you don't want to give up too much. I was able to get Miller sometimes in the eighth or ninth round when I did some of these mock drafts. And now I'm starting to see him go, you know, more around the fifth round. And that's not nearly as tempting to me <laughs> in yeah, the fifth round. I agree. But one thing we can
2: take out of last night's game is Bruce Ellington. What, uh, what were your thoughts about his performance?
3: Well, I mean, once again, it was him and Miller that started both kind of slot guys, but they just played the, the one and the two yesterday. And I think Ellington's going to make the team. I mean, He's had a good chemistry with Watson, you know, back to last year. And I like Braxton Miller, but, you know, almost every time he gets tackled, he leaves the game. I, You know, that's that's hard to depend on him. So I, I think Ellington's going to be the guy with, with Fuller and Hopkins. And, hey, that's that's a pretty good three right there, you know. And, and QT is, is banged up, the Texas Tech wide receiver, who will probably play the slot. But until we see him, you know, who knows? And he's a rookie, and I believe he was a fourth rounder. So it's it's not like... You know, he was a first rounder or something like that. So I'm sure they'll work him in. But it's not good that he's banged up right now because that's when you try and, you know, make a name for yourself is in the preseason. And if you're not out there, you can't do that.
2: Yeah. And what we saw from last night on Watson's drive, Ellington had five targets, two in the red zone. Yep. Griffin had two and then Braxton Miller had one. That shows kind of the trust that Watson has for him. If you saw that touchdown drive, whenever they went for it on third down, there was a miscommunication um, in the wide receivers causing Miller not to be uh, Ellington, not to be able to catch that ball. The very next play, the fourth down, he went right back to Ellington. He trust him.
3: He did. But you know what? That also made me realize they had the ball that close to the goal line and they threw it you know they didn't they didn't trust the O line and they're running back to just be able to punch it in I mean six inches might have done it I mean it was right there on top of the goal line and and they threw the ball which part of me likes that right because last year the problem with with Watson at the end of games that we lost is a lot of people felt like Bill O'Brien didn't put the ball in Watson's hand they they ran it so maybe this year he's going to trust you know Deshaun Watson in these really important circumstances around the goal line
2: and also I believe that with it be in preseason in that situation maybe in a regular game they pick to do the quarterback sneak you know what i mean even out of a shotgun formation but it's early coming back off an injury the last thing you want to see as a fan as a draftee of the guy you don't want to see watson getting hit at all you want him to be clean that's right all right that we're up against the break money line 97.5
1: Twitter.
0: Follow the show on Twitter at
1: Moneyline 97.5. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by Klein's Jewelry. Live from the RentersWarehouse.com studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan.
2: Welcome back to Moneyline, Houston's newest fantasy football and gambling show. Give us a call, 713-780-3776 if you want to talk anything fantasy, anything gambling. You want to ask Josh what he ate last night before he uh, did his mock draft. He is a mock king. And uh, during this show, we will be doing a segment called Mock My Mock. That's basically where we get to dive into his mind and say, why did you do this? Picking out of this spot. If you have these four guys available in the third round, who, 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 who do you get? Why do you get them? That's what we want to know. And during this, during the second hour, we, uh, we will get that.
3: No doubt about it. we'll get to that in the second hour. Last week, we did picking from the the seven spot right in the middle of the first round, and I went through my mock kind of telling everybody you know who's available to you and how you how you want to build your team and where to go with quarterback uh, this week I, I drafted out of the the number two spot. I wanted to draft at the very top of the draft and see how how that changed the way my team looked
2: perfect, perfect. All right, looks like we' got a caller Royce, what's going on? Hello,
3: Royce. And three, two, one. I think that'll do it there for Royce. Call back, Royce. (laughs) I was
2: hoping it was Royce Freeman to get a little.
3: (laughs) Get a little (laughs) look on the Broncos. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that would have been fantastic. Okay, so last segment, we touched briefly on what the Texans did in their preseason game versus the 49ers. That uh, brings us to talking a little bit more about other things that happened this this week two of the preseason. Let's go around the uh, league.
3: Around the NFL. What's happening? All right. Uh, why don't we stay within that game? Because we didn't get to the 49ers side. And... I don't know about you, but I thought Garoppolo looked really good. Um, that's kind of what I'm expecting him to do this year. I don't love his wide receiver core, but I really like Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin, he can run, man. Pierre Garçon, Pierre uh, he's getting old, just to be honest. So I'm, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of him, but he does know Shanahan's system, so I think he'll at least be steady. But I really like Goodwin. That guy can run. I mean, he was an Olympian. That's how fast this guy is. So I know he's only 5'9". He's not the biggest dude in the world. But he had a good connection last year with Garoppolo. It looks like that's carrying over. So uh, that's somebody I'm definitely interested in. Uh, Kind of in the mid-rounds, if I can get Goodwin as maybe my third wide receiver, maybe my flex, I'd be be cool with that. What do you think? The talk around 49ers offseason – camp and
2: everything that's been going on has been the connection between Garoppolo and Goodwin. It's carrying over from last year, like you said, and I think the hype is real. If Goodwin could stay healthy, I mean, what did we get from Garoppolo during that little sample size? 5-0 and record, 67% completion, and he averaged about 8.8 yards per attempt. He was the quarterback 6 during that time frame. It goes to show you how valuable he really can be in a Kyle Shanahan offense.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a fantastic offense. We loved it when he was here with the Texans. That's one of the best offenses I can remember. Obviously, we know what Shanahan did in Atlanta. So that's something you have to be pretty excited about. I think I think their offensive line will be good enough. Um, where are you with McKinnon? Because, you know, he's been banged up. We're going to get to all these running backs that seem to be hurt a little later in the show. But McKinnon, he's going pretty high. You're probably going to have to grab him in the third round if you want him. And look, I love the opportunity, but he's a guy that it felt like he kind of wore down a little bit last year with the Vikings. You know, he played, but he's a guy that will almost play through anything. And you like that as a fantasy owner because you want him out there, but not if it comes at the expense of starting him. And then he doesn't produce for you because he's nicked up. So, I mean, and he's already hurt again. So that's not a great sign. And with his ADP being that high, um, he makes me a little nervous now. Me as well. They uh, were saying that they wanted to get him
2: somewhere around 18 to 20 touches a game, which I think is far fetched. There's uh, he won't hold up that way. I don't see it. He's not built that way. He's always had another running back to be able to lean on to help him. He's not what you traditionally call a three down back in my eyes. And I guess with the injury to Matt Breida, it kind of leaves things again in question because that's who we thought would maybe vulture some of the stats that he could be getting. And now we don't get to see that. Thank you, injury bug.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's injuries, rookies, um, guys playing on new teams, maybe coaching changes. All all these things can, can really impact your expectations for certain players. You like to have some kind of idea going in and, When I do my mock drafts and when I select players, a big part of it is just trying to minimize risk. And part of that is, you know, guys that are still on the same team with the same coordinators, playing with the same quarterback, you know, stuff that you can kind of... You could look at their stats and go, well, it should be similar to this year. If he's healthy, he should put up similar numbers. But, you know, when they go to a new team, all bets are off. And you don't know what their role is going to be when they go to a new team either. So uh, these are all things that I try and stay away from early in the draft. I try and find guys that are more sure things, that have been producing those numbers more than once in their career, that are playing with the same overall mostly the same guys like those are the guys that go in the first or second round right because it's a lower risk and when you talk about McKinnon
2: they made him the fourth highest paid running back when yeah. they signed him to that four-year 30 million dollar deal why well he's coming off career highs in total yards catches yards per reception everything so he's expected to get that Devontae Freeman role in the Shanahan a Shanahan offense but can he do it averaging under 20 touches that's the question
3: i I, I don't love it i love the upside but he kind of scares me his floor is kind of terrifying to me just because i think he might be banged up and breeda's not bad and if he comes back and plays well and and uh he's nicked up breeda might start getting more of the love there so i'm just kind of a wait and see with the 49ers i think right now i like i like goodwin I'll, i'll fire a shot on him in the middle rounds um I might take a shot at Garoppolo, but I'd probably only be a buyer in the maybe the ninth round, something like that. It, you know, unless I'm going to get a stud, stud quarterback, I don't want to spend a high pick.
2: Yeah. And the other receiver there that I want to touch on is Pierre Garcon. What's your thoughts on him, Josh?
3: Uh, kind of like I was saying a little bit ago, he's just, he's, look, he knows the system, so he should be dependable, but he's much older. So, I mean, he's. I think he's going to get banged up again. And I just don't see a lot of upside with him. And a PPR, I'm probably cool with him because I think he'll he'll catch some passes. But he's not somebody that you're going to be excited to start every week. He's kind of that when you're looking at your lineup, oh, I guess I could start Pierre Garçon. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not excited about that. So, you know, he's a mid, he's more of a late round flyer, I think, for me. Yeah, he's never exceeded six touchdowns in a season, so it's... And he played with Peyton Manning for quite some time.
2: I think it's harder to do that, to not be able to get six touchdowns with Peyton Manning. He turns 32 in August. He just turned... I mean, what's his ceiling? He's never had more than six touchdowns. Is he maybe a a bi-week filling? He could be.
3: Yeah, that's what he is.
2: Could he turn into the number one wide receiver over there if Goodwin was to get hurt?
3: Yeah, the, the ball has to go to somebody. So, yeah.
2: So, at this point, I and guess. And Kittle's banged up, right? Exactly. We don't know
3: what, what's going to happen with him.
2: And I wanted to touch a little bit on the win total for the season. They uh, currently have it at 9, juiced at minus 120. Last year, again, they were 5-0 and under Garoppolo. What's your thoughts for the
3: 49ers as a general outlook for the whole year? Phew. I don't think they're going to win the division. I know they finished strong last year, but that's a tough division. Uh, What was that number again, Jerry? Nine. Nine. I'm probably going to go under on that. I just I think the Rams are going to be good again. Uh, The Cardinals, I don't think are going to be very good. Seattle's probably going to have a down year. Um, I see them around eight and eight, nine and seven. So I think they made the number about right. Where you come out on
2: that? I'm right around there also. And to be honest. I'm staying far away from as far as actually betting it because we don't know where we're at Um, with these injuries. I'm yet to see what McKinnon's really going to do having that role where he's expected to be that 18 to 20 touch guy. And there's tape on Garoppolo now, just like anybody
0: else. Six wins, six wins. You got six, yeah,
2: six wins. Okay. I mean, they
0: have to play the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Packers, and I guess I'll throw in the Raiders. That's all. I mean, that's all out of out of conference. I just. And like you said, we've seen film on Jimmy G now. Nobody on that team offensive-wise scares you. I mean, Pierre Garçon, like we talked about, is the Methuselah of football. He's been here forever. Your running backs are no-namers. Your receivers after that are pretty much no-namers. So there's a lot of hype around Jimmy G, but I'm just like, but what about the rest of that team? So I say six wins.
2: And it's also about getting off, off to a good start. Warren Sharp has them rated as the third toughest schedule to start out the year from weeks one through seven. So that's going to be pivotal as to what direction they ultimately go.
3: Yeah, that, that's a good point. And it's funny every year, right? It's it's about how you start the season, kind of sets the tone. And, man, you start dropping your first few games, even if you're good, it starts kind of getting in your head, and it, it can start spir- spiraling down on you pretty quick. All right,
2: we have a caller. Ross, what's going on?
3: Yeah, Reed. Jerry Jerry <laughs> What's up fellas? What's going on?
4: Not much man, not much. I uh, love the show. I just wanted to call in and uh throw uh Jerry and uh, all you guys some support. Uh I've been I've been following Jerry uh, probably for like 2 months now. I mean, I, I saw um, I've been on Twitter for like 7 years. I think I have 7 followers, but I uh Ever since I started following Jerry, uh, I probably got 25 handicappers following me now, so that's great. <laughs> that's hilarious. So I, uh, I saw Fred Fowler was mentioning him one day, um, I, I bet a lot of baseball, and uh, I saw Fred Fowler was mentioning him one day about um, uh, World Cup, and I was telling Jerry the other night, actually, I would never watched soccer, so if Jerry's uh, done anything for anyone, it's, it's add one more soccer viewer to the world, because uh, now that he's uh, betting all these games, i will be watching all these games, so it's pretty crazy.
2: Oh, that's cool. Ross, I that's wanna cool. personally thank you. I know we have a lot of communication over Twitter, so sometimes it seems like are these people real? Is it is it true oh, yeah, what he for speaks? Real, yeah. yeah. But we've spoken enough through uh even private messages and you know me, uh I put my heart behind the game and win or lose, my, my objective is for us to stick together and that's kinda what I wanna let everyone know that it's not about just getting up here and throwing out numbers and saying who's gonna win or not. It's about learning and we can all learn together throughout this process. No one likes to lose money, so we can learn how not to lose it. Then we did all right, but I really, really, really appreciate all the support that you give me day in, day out.
4: Absolutely, man. And one thing I enjoy about it, too, is i played team sports for a long time, you know, and uh, betting by yourself, it gets <laughs> kind of lonely sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you got a group of guys that are betting on the same games, and everybody's cheering it on. It just makes it that much more exciting.
2: And that's what I try to build on there, like a – like a brotherhood, somewhere where you can go. And like you said, a bedding by yourself is, is boring. And so is eating by a steak by yourself. It's, it's, right. it's a tough steak. You know what I mean? I'd rather eat burgers until we could all afford the steak. And that's the whole, whole gist of, of this show of the, everything that we built together. That's what it's about. It's about us sticking together and learning. So once again, thanks Ross. And I'm going to put you on a hold and we'll get you that max play. Um, it's a winner. So go ahead and bang it
4: absolutely man looking forward to it appreciate it guys alright thanks Ross
2: alright we're up against another break when we come back everybody's favorite segment Mock My Mock with Josh Jordan this is Moneyline
1: 97.5 the Bucks crush crews after us no games we ain't laughing much nothing but big things check the hit list how we twitch what changed with the name Twitter
0: follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline 97.5
1: yeah. i'm on a new level i'm on a new level i'm on a new level brought me a new you're listening to money line on espn 97.5 and on espn 97.5.com presented by my bookie live from the renterswarehouse.com studios here's jerry bow and josh jordan
2: Welcome back into Moneyline Fantasy Football
0: Fantasizers.
2: (laughs) Every week, we will try to dive into what goes behind the thought of drafting. And to do that, luckily for us, there's something called mocks. And next to me, I got Josh Jordan, someone that runs. I mean, the guy comes to work 100 mocks deep. When someone does him that like that. And we laugh, you know what I mean? Because it's like, wow, it takes time to do these mocks. I mean, you literally have to put time aside to do them. And this is a guy that thrives off of that. So, without further ado, this is Mock My Mock with Josh. Mock My Mock with
0: Josh Jordan.
2: All right. This week, he drafted out of the two spot. It's very interesting to see what he does with this because, you know, drafting early, you have to wait a long time before it comes back to you, so you have to make sure you
3: capitalize off of that.
2: With his first pick, Gurley, what was your thoughts behind
3: that? I was kind of surprised that Todd Gurley fell to me at two. I've seen him go there before. You know, the guy took on Bell in front of me. It is it is a PPR league, so some people like Bell better than Gurley, and, and I'm fine with that, but I was, I was excited to have Gurley. I don't think I've. I think this is the first time I've actually gotten him. So I was excited to get him. And hey, you get Todd Gurley with your first pick. You know you're happy about that.
2: Yeah, for sure. And all the extra stats he gets with his receiving skills, and I believe it was six rushing touchdowns, a league high. It you can't go wrong with him here either. Him or Bell here is what you'll usually see. I tend to go with Gurley. He doesn't have the extra, let's say, outside problems that that Bell might carry. With your second pick, I see T.Y. Hilton.
3: Tell me why you did this. This is where I was i was kind of bummed, right? I, I was really hoping that one of the elite wide receivers that I like was going to get back to me. And if one of them didn't get back to me, I would go for Gronk. But that's why I picked this mock to kind of show everybody um, – not not every time does the mock or the draft go the way you want, right? Sometimes that guy you're waiting for does make it back to you, and sometimes he doesn't. So I picked this one as an example to show people what you do when you don't end up getting the guy that fell to you. So here I went with T.Y. Hilton, and I don't love it because I was really hoping like A.J. Green or Devontae Adams, somebody like that was going to make their way back to me, but it didn't happen, and, and that is – I get it. I did a mock just yesterday where I picked out of the same spot, and A.J. Green did make it back to me, and I took him. Um, But this time he didn't. So I went with T.Y. Hilton, and Hilton for me is kind of like on the borderline at the very end of the elite receivers, and that's just because Andrew Luck. You know, I know he played in the preseason game, but he's kind of just throwing short passes at this point. So um, it's still a little risky to me until I know he's good to go. Yeah, and
2: Luck. I mean, uh, Hilton, this was his first year since his rookie season to fail to get to 1,000 yards. So I guess a lot depends on what happens ultimately with Andrew Luck. But I like the pick, and I think he's one of those players that can win the weeks week by week by himself sometimes. You'll have that 28-point performance from Hilton, and I think the upside is what you went with here. What do you think about him, Cam?
0: Good old T.Y.? Yeah. I mean, he— what, what I mean, what negative thing can you say about him? I mean, it's kind of like D-Hop. He still produces with whatever quarterback he has there. He's got good hands. He's obviously a great route runner. With Andrew Luck coming back, even if you're not getting the Andrew Luck from three years ago, you know, a 90% Andrew Luck is still better than a lot of the quarterbacks in the league. So I think T.Y., I don't think it's a stretch at all to make him your top wide receiver choice. Um, I mean, especially with Andrew Luck coming back, so... I'm I'm all for it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was hoping to grab him in the third, but that really wasn't an option for me. And right after that, Mike Evans went, and you know, he's he's somebody I definitely considered. But you know, he's got the the quarterback issue for the first what is it three four games with Jameis Winston with the suspension, um, and Evans is real just kind of all over the place. He's either great or he's really disappointing. And I'd, I I kind of subscribe to the good vibes, bad vibes, and. You know, the Bucks to me, it's just bad vibes. So I'm just kind of staying away from those guys. So And I knew I was picking, going to pick again really quick, right, because I had the number two overall pick. So, you know, the guy in the one spot would take two players, and then I'd have my next pick, uh, which leads me to my pick in the third round. And that's where I, I fired on Joe Mixon. I, I think he's going to have a big year. They improved the offensive line. I think he's really talented dude, and I'm, I'm going to give him a shot. I love Joe Mixon this year.
2: He, uh, at one point, 80% of his yards were after contact. He's Yeah, he's a bruising back. The thing that held him down for some point yesterday was, remember, at one point, Jeremy Hill was there, and they were curious to see what was going to happen with him. Once he kind of got out of the picture and Mixon took over, you saw what he could do. He was a top 10 running back during that time that he was starting during the middle of the season. Now, what happened? The little injury, Gio came back, and then Gio ended up closing the season. But a fascinating stat that I dug up on the Bengals was that they had a 30% success rate when rushing the ball inside the red zone. That was number one in the NFL. Mixon is the centerpiece of them running the ball in the red zone. He sees the ball 47.2%, so almost half the ball inside the 20. Once they get inside the 10, he sees the ball 78% of the time, and inside the 5, 85% of the rushes. So if you're on the number one team in success rate inside the red zone when rushing and you have somebody that's getting potentially 85, 78, 45% of the carries, then that's a guy that can get you touchdowns. And that's what ultimately scores points and wins weeks.
3: No doubt about it. And he's another one of those guys, kind of like Lamar Miller this year, that he shed about 10 or 15 pounds in the offseason. He wanted to get a little lighter, a little more quick. And I I think we've already seen that in the preseason. I believe he he took a little pass uh, for a touchdown just the other day. So uh, Mixon's a guy that I I really like this year. So I'm I'm, going to take a flyer on him. If you want him, you better take him about where I took him or, or he'll be gone. Yeah. So I see
2: with this next pick, you took a little risk. Tell me why you grabbed Doug Baldwin here.
3: I just feel like he's a top 10 receiver if he's healthy. You know, in most of the rankings you would look at, he was top 10 until he got busted up. And I read a report that he was sprinting earlier this week. So, you know, he might be okay to start the season. And who else does Russell Wilson have to throw to? You know, like Jimmy Graham's gone. And there's really nobody else that I'm excited about. So I think Doug Baldwin's got to be the guy. And now I'm okay with my receiver group, right? If I, if I put Hilton with Baldwin, those two together, I'm cool with those guys being my one and my two. So I, I took a risk on Baldwin there. I, I'm fine with it. I mean, I think he's going to be good to go. Especially in
2: PPR leagues where yes. the volume is what speaks. And you mentioned Mike Evans earlier, and he's sometimes falls touchdown dependent, you know what I mean? Yes. But when you get at Hilton a Baldwin, Players that you know that get most of the volume, that the dominate the target share on their perspective offenses, that's what you want with your top two receivers, and I, I love it. I love the structure of your team so far with Gurley, Mixon, Hilton, and Baldwin. Then you got to Juju.
3: I, I did, and I find myself kind of taking him quite a bit in, in the fifth round. Um, you know, two preseason games, two touchdowns. That's pretty good, right? So – I just think, you know, Martavis Bryant's gone. Antonio Brown's a little older. You know, Big Ben's one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. So I'm going to take a chance on Juju. I also heard Greg Cosell talk about him, and he said that this guy is a stud. And I don't know if there's anybody that knows more about football than Greg Cosell. So when I heard him say that the other day, I was like, all right, I'm I'm probably leaning the right way on Juju. I, I got a good feeling about him this year. And the Steelers obviously
2: have that high-powered offense and with a lot of the attention that usually goes to Antonio Brown Juju has all the opportunity in the world let's think about when Martavius Bryant was over there throwing up these big numbers and breaking these long touchdowns and I mean that's what Juju is if you saw his touchdown the other night it was a long one and if if he gets that open field he's gone I mean just like anybody else obviously but Juju has he's a speedster and Overall, I think he fits perfectly into the Steelers' offense.
3: Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, you know Antonio Brown is going to attract a lot of attention from safeties and Le'Veon Bell, you know, so that's Juju's going to have a lot of one-on-one looks. So let's wrap this up real quick. I know we're kind of against it. With my next pick, I got Evan Ingram. All the tight ends were gone that I was comfortable with. Ingram was the last guy, and though I don't love him this year, he was the last guy in that little tier that I'm comfortable with as my starter. So I went ahead with Ingram, and then on the very next pick, the second pick of the seventh round, I grabbed my quarterback. I, usually I don't go this early on quarterback, but Russell Wilson fell to the seventh round. Uh, and then I put him with Doug Baldwin for that, that stacking, your little double touchdown action there. Uh, I felt good with it. So through my, you know, the first seven rounds, those are most of my starters right there. Uh, I'm pretty happy with it.
2: I uh, love the overall structure of this mock that you had with Gurley, mixing again Hilton, Baldwin, Juju, a great tight end, which let's see if he can do it uh, coming off that great rookie year with Ingram. And then how can you go wrong with Russell, the overall points leader uh, last year in fantasy? So overall, I love the look of the team. If you don't, go ahead and mock them. That's what this is about. Mock my mock with Josh. Thanks for that, man. Uh, the people te- seem to really, really, really love it and to get your view on different picks.
3: Yeah, and we'll do it next week, but I'll pick it like the 11 or the 12 spot so people can kind of see how their team will stack up when they pick at the back of the draft.
2: All right. Matt, we see you on the lines. We'll get back to you on the other side. This is Moneyline Money
1: on 97.5. <laughs> Twitter.
0: Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975.
1: With me, 21. Bad, bad, cute face and some nice, too. five hundred on the St. Laurent
2: jacket, yeah. When you I ain't no, I ain't no action. The wow. me, am wow. wow.
1: so You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 975. And on ESPN975.com. Presented by my bookie Live from the Renterswarehouse.com studios. Here's Jerry Bo and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to
2: Moneyline. I wanted to take a quick second to thank our sponsor, our proud sponsor, Klein's Jewelry. It's been around since 1969. Klein, he uh, specializes in all types of jewelry. I mean, he gets a kick out of someone bringing him the picture and say, hey, can you make this? Watch Jewelry Repair. Everything manufactured in store. He does custom CAD designs. No job too big or too small. He specializes in all types of diamonds, also that's loose diamonds, diamonds and enga- diamond engagement rings, pendants, earrings, any shape, any size. Again, nothing's too big or too small for Klein. Don't go to the mall and get that overpriced jewelry. We uh, we're really close to the Galleria. Pass it up, maybe about five minutes down the road, and you're at Klein's. He's located on th- at fifty six sixty eight Westheimer Road. That's the corner of Westheimer and Fountain View. Mr. Klein, he uh, gives out his personal number and he. He tells you, call him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you the better deal. 832-316-1388. That's 832-316-1388. That's Mark's personal number. Call him. Talk to him about jewelry. If you have something coming up that you're planning a a birthday or something that you don't even know what exactly it is that you're looking for, call him. He'll be happy to help you. Klein, he treats you like family.
3: All right, Jerry. Yeah, I thought... Uh Thought maybe DFS, right? We haven't really gotten into much of that and that's you know, we don't have any games. So but we do have strategy on on how we play it and the, the things we like to do to get an edge, how we like to build our team. So why don't you give people an idea on, on how your process when you're putting together a daily lineup on a Sunday?
2: Okay, so first off, it's it's just like any other type of gambling, bankroll management and how much you actually put out there. Whenever you deposit money on DraftKings, it's really simple to get caught up in what they put at the top of the menu, the million maker, the million, you know, the millionaire maker, the, the top contests that pay out these big amounts. And that's what they want you to fill up because that's the bigger fields. That's how they, they drive it. It's, it's a dream. Reality is, though, most people don't win those big contests, and it's a strategy on how you play these small games that are considered some, say, cash games, anything with smaller fields, let's say 10 players and down. So how do you attack the two different worlds? Because they're completely different. In a world where you play only against 10 people, you don't really want to go off the grid too far as to picking, let's say, a quarterback. You you don't care about having the highly owned quarterback if you can manage to get points out of other positions, if that makes sense. Whenever you play these large tournament fields, let's say, for example, the Packers are playing someone easy and everyone is on Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers cost a certain amount and usually is the highest amount for a quarterback. Using that theory, if you're playing against higher fields, higher man fields, you can do the math and start saying if if so and so uh, if x player uses nine thousand dollars of his salary where do you think he's going to go with his running back or receiver what does his salary ultimately allow him to do does it allow him to go ahead and get a top receiver also and if he does that then you know where his running backs are coming from and it's going to be those value running backs so coming into every week you'll hear about these running backs that are considered value and they're Because someone else got hurt, and all of a sudden now they're the number one option. But DraftKings or FanDuel or wherever it is you play hasn't adjusted their price. So you catch them at this really, really, really cheap price. But the truth is is he's going to be 60% owned at that price. So if you can... beat 60% of the field on one of these big contests by fading him and jumping another direction, then that's the way you go. And a lot, of, a, a lot of these weeks you'll hear, wow, there's two injured running backs. This guy's starting for him. You tell, you're telling me DraftKings still has him at 4,400? You run to him and you get him. Now they, you start your roster with that and you build off of that. So then having that cheap roster, then what does your, your mind think? oh, I can get that expensive quarterback now. So now he goes and gets that expensive quarterback, and what does he do? He doubles them down with that wide receiver one from that team. With doing Using this strategy and figuring out how people are constructing their teams and building them from the inside out can ultimately put you in positions to win these big fields. I uh, actually know a guy that got second last year in the first million maker, uh, millionaire maker week one of DraftKings. That was a $100,000 payout. Um, wow yeah and it was a twenty dollar in and he did that exactly by fading what everybody else was thinking and with the off season and all the talk and all the build up to that first week one of draftkings he uh he knew what everybody was talking about and who everybody was was going was considering value so yeah Josh, there's so many different strategies, and it's a game of its own once you start dealing with this daily, but it all goes back down to how many people you're playing against.
0: And I think it goes without saying too, but I see it all the time with friends is it's not all about how much they cost and how much they average per week. People forget to look at that little yellow or not yellow, but red and green opposition points allowed. And you want to look for that green because you can get a guy like Antonio Brown who, oh yeah, he costs $8,000 or 8,000 points. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's going to give me a ton of points, but if he's playing the number one pass defense, you might want to reevaluate that. And people forget to look at the little details like that. And I see it all the time where they're like, ooh, I'm just going to get the guy that averages the most without looking at who they're playing and, you know, bites them in the butt. So yeah, no look doubt at about
3: the green that. and red. Yeah, you got to look at your matchups. That's obviously a really big part of fantasy football. For me, just a couple little tips for what I like to do. I like to try and find the values, you know, not necessarily like you're talking about where everybody's running into that guy. Just really good players, I think, that, Are going to do better than they're being priced for the week. I try and build around that. And just overall, I almost always go with the cheapest quarterback I'm comfortable with. And I pretty much always go with the cheapest defense, period. A lot of times, the the most awful defense with the worst matchup can get you a fluke pick six or, you know, just something to get you some points on the board. And then if you spent nothing on your defense and they at least, you know, we're decent for you. A lot of times, that's better than spending that more money on that defense, and then maybe they underwhelm that week. So those are just two positions where, I mean, I mean, I would almost even go like like Brandon Whedon if he had to start one week. You know, if if a guy is just like ridiculously cheap because he's a starting quarterback and you know he's playing for whatever reason. Um, a lot of times I'll take that really, really cheap quarterback just hoping that he'll get me a touchdown or two, and then all that money I saved, I'll go load up on studs at receiver and running back. So so those are some things that I'd look for.
2: Yeah, and whenever picking these quarterbacks, like you said, somebody that's off the grid, you, you benefit more from having that low-owned guy that goes times three, times four value rather than having – say rogers owned at 45 50 and he only goes three four times value you know what i mean because the, again the owner percentage was low and whenever we talk daily fantasy we talk about these stacks usually whenever you go up there and you pick your quarterback you sometimes if your quarter most of the time if your quarterback has a good game obviously someone's catching that ball right so your first instinct is to go stack him when playing these big fields It takes about 200 and 250 points total to win one of these contests. So using that math, that leaves it to about 25 points a player from each position and some more because your defense um, doesn't score as much. So I guess spread out the the points that they lack. Using these two-man quarterback stacks and saying that 25 points is the baseline of what they need to approximately get. When you stack a uh, quarterback with a wide receiver one, They reach 50 points combined. That's 25 apiece, 15% of the time. When you stack a quarterback with a running back one, they do it 7% of the time. So how many times when you do stack do they actually reach the threshold of that 25 points? It's only 15% of the time. That's why people run to that stack. Now, whenever you talk about stacking and you say, hey, let's stack – off the same team, that's normal, that's good whenever you're doing that in these cash games, but how do you get yourself on these big fields? And a study that's been done is stacking with the opposite team, the opposing team, because if a quarterback's going off, then the game script is basically telling you that there's points being scored, and if that happens, then the other team's going to have to score points, right? So using that theory, when one quarterback quarterback scores 25 points, the opposing quarterback, they average 20.8 points. That means they're scoring also. How many times do they break the 25% themselves? 60% of the time. So if my quarterback goes off, that opposing one, he's playing chase, he also goes off. He goes off, what happens? His wide receiver one goes off. So it ultimately gives you another way of stacking games without going the conventional route of just saying, hey, I'm going to go my number one receiver You know, to couple him with that quarterback. Don't always do that. Try to go outside the grid.
3: That's a really good tip right there. I hope everybody was listening to that. It makes a lot of sense, and the numbers bear it out. So definitely keep in mind that if, if you like a certain quarterback, well, the guy he's playing against, he's probably going to be good too. Um, what do you think, Jerry? Do you want to try and get these calls on the other side? Let's get him, Let's get him. Okay, let's go for it. Mike, what's going on? How
4: you guys doing?
3: Good. How you doing, Mike?
4: Good, good. Hey, Jerry, another killer day yesterday, bro.
3: <laughs> Thanks, man. A uh,
4: pos- uh, positive vibe to you today. Uh, so from an NFL gambling perspective, going into the season, which teams do you guys think are undervalued, kind of like how the, the Rams and Eagles were last year? And then on the flip side, which teams do you think are overvalued?
3: Man, that's, that's interesting. I guess if we're thinking about an undervalued team – I guess that's kind of like a bounce-back team, right, Jerry? Somebody like that. Definitely. And, man, that's tough. I, I think – I hate to be a homer, but I I, I kind of like the Texans this year just because of Deshaun Watson. I don't love the number, but I, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to get to 10 wins. I I just think they are. It, that's just me. Um, so that's that's kind of tough, though. I mean, how undervalued are they really? Um, you know, I – there's a lot of hype around Deshaun Watson with the national media. So, you know, maybe some people are on that, but he is risky. I don't know. That's a tough one. i I'd, I'd probably go through and maybe look at some more numbers and get a better idea of a better play after looking through everything. But the, the team I've really loved this year is the Saints, and I would just hammer the Saints because I think they might win the Super Bowl. I, I, am, I thought they would possibly do it last year, and I think they're going to even be better this year. So uh, the Saints are a team that I really like this year to get the over. As far as
2: overvalued, I go back to what we spoke of a little bit last week in Tennessee. I think that people are seeing that they were a playoff team, but they don't look into what actually got them there. And being very mediocre in a division that allowed them to be that with all the injuries, they saw themselves crawl into the playoffs and I think they regress with all the changes in the coaching staff and whatnot. Um, that's my candidate for regression. My candidate to break out, it's tough. It's tough. And, th- and let's not say I actually break out, but I really, and, and it sounds so cliche, but I like the Browns too. I mean, we've gotten so used to seeing them be the basement of the league that I guess now that we see these little weapons – we we think they could ultimately be something. They could put together something that could what, what what's considered a good season and what's considered a bad season this year for the Browns wins wise?
3: Man, if they get to five, six wins, I I think that that'd be a big step forward since they've only won what one game in the last two years. And I think the numbers somewhere around five and a half, isn't it? It's exactly what it is. At my bookie, it's over under five and a half at minus one
2: fifty-five. Now You look at their division and you say, hey, could they maybe sneak out a game versus Cincinnati? Could they sneak out a game versus the Ravens? So at that point, if you can get two wins out of that division, you got 30% basically of your total win that you need to get to, to cash the bet. So the Browns are going to be a, I guess, fan favorite from the perspective that Everyone wants to see what happens at the quarterback position. Everyone's curious to happens w- with what happens with Chubb and uh the receivers. I mean, the receivers what what are we what do we get with them? Is Gordon going to be the guy? Is he even going to play? I mean, is he going to get out of this recovery process that he's still stuck in? Is Landry going to dominate targets there? Uh, is he going to line up in the slot? I mean, w- w- there's so many questions that go with the Browns, but Five and a half wins, that's not that much to ask for for a team that has talent at
3: every level, even on the defensive side of the ball. And you brought up Cincinnati and Baltimore, right, and stealing a game. I'm looking at their schedule, and they've got Cincinnati in Week 16. They've got Baltimore in Week 17. Who knows if the Bengals or the Ravens will even really be in it, you know, by that time in the year. I mean, who knows if if Joe Flacco is still the quarterback for the Ravens in Week 17. You know, so there's a good chance they play Denver in Week 15. I don't really know what to expect from them with Case this year. So, I mean – Would it shock you if Cleveland beat Denver, Cincinnati, and Baltimore to end the year? I mean, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. That's
2: a great point because they're tough. They got the eight toughest schedule from weeks one through ten, but then they have one of the by far easiest schedules to close out the year. So if they could get maybe one or two wins in that uh, ten-game stretch, then, hey, I think we'll be catching that. We're up against another break here. Moneyline, 97.5.
0: Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at MoneyLine97.5. Ugh, what is this idiot doing?
1: KFNC, Mont Bellevue, Houston. Please stop talking. ESPN 97.5.